Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary Podcast. We're starting a new series today titled Presence. Throughout this series, we will be learning to become aware of the divine in our midst. Today, Pastor Jason Coker kicks off our series with a word from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, which invites us into curiosity as a way to see God at work in our everyday life. Listen now to Jason's teaching titled, Curiosity. I was an intensely curious child. I was one of those kids, right? Like I was one of those kids that uh, wanted to understand how everything worked. And so I'm sure it wasn't easy to be my mother or my father because I was constantly taking things apart in the house. I don't know if you've ever like been around kids like that, but I, I was like anything electronic, especially like I just took it apart. I took apart our phone, you know, I took apart uh, one of our televisions that sort of got discarded. I, th- I thought I wouldn't get in trouble for that. Uh, I took apart our lawnmower as I got bigger. Uh, I, I didn't ever put these things back together again. I just, I just took them apart, right? Like I just wanted to know how things worked. And so my curiosity was always coming out in those sorts of ways. I love that game Operation. You guys ever play Operation when you're a kid? It's that you know, picture of like that cartoon character and you got to like operate on them. I love the idea of like peeking inside this person's body. And so of course I took the game Operation apart too when I was a kid and was sorely disappointed when I found out that there weren't more things inside like the cartoon body. I was probably like six or seven years old at the time. But I was just one of those kids who was very curious and wanted to understand new things. One of the things that really caught my attention when I was a kid was an advertisement in one of these children's magazines that I had at the time. Maybe you saw this ad too. It was circulating, uh, I think, uh, pretty heavily in the 50s and 60s and 70s. I was a kid in the 70s and came across this ad for sea monkeys For a dollar, you could own a bowl full of happiness, it says. You could order order out for a dollar to receive an aquarium full of these magical creatures. They're like little like naked people with like antenna on their heads and and gills on the side. And it was like actually a, a whole little family and a castle on the background. And that just captured my imagination as a child, I thought holy cow, they're like tiny little human-like creatures and you could own them for a dollar and order away. So of course, I ripped that ad out of the magazine. Maybe you did too. And I don't know, I stole a dollar from my mom's purse or something like that. And I sent it off in the mail. And you know, four to six weeks later, of course, my sea monkeys came. What a disappointment they were. If you were like me and you ordered the sea monkeys, you learned that the sea monkey aquarium did not contain a castle and it did not contain like naked little humanoid creatures that you got to be in charge of. No, it was just like a little packet of shrimp. Like, you know, uh, what do they call those? Brine shrimp. Thank you, David. It's like a little packet of like freeze-dried brine shrimp and you sprinkled them in the water and then they started like, you know, swimming around. and, And you know, the thing is, is brine shrimp are kind of curious and interesting too, but nothing like the picture. We learn this, I think, uh, very early as consumers in our culture that we are bombarded with promises every day for advertisements for things that are going to solve all of our problems. And this was my first introduction to the reality that advertisements 
are not always telling you the truth, right? And so you soon in your life learn to be sort of closed off to the good possibilities that are in the world because we're literally trained in a consumer culture to be suspicious of every new possibility, every new promise that comes across our feed. Nowadays, it's estimated that you and I are being subjected to about 5,000 advertisements per day. 5,000 advertisements per day, 5,000 times every day that somebody is promising you to be healthier or skinnier or smarter or somehow eliminate brain fog. I don't know what brain fog is, but it feels like in every advertisement for some sort of supplement, they're always curing brain fog, right? Or, or advertisements for newer and better parts for your other you know, newer and better things that you purchased the year before. 5,000 ads a day, by the way, works out to about one point. 8 million advertisements every single year that you and I are constantly being subjected to. I think we learn very early on because of that to sort of filter out the hope for new possibilities in our lives. We learn to be sort of cynical and jaded at a pretty early age. And whether it was the advertisements for sea monkeys that didn't meet our expectations, or it was the promises of our mother or our father that weren't fulfilled, or maybe it was the hurt that we experienced from uh, classmates in school or friends, we learn, I think, at a very early age to shut down a sense of hope and optimism for what could possibly be. And to me, that's connected very strongly to a sense of curiosity. And I want to show you Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read through verses 1 through 6, which we already read today, uh, but I want to read through it together again. I want to show you what I think is happening in this experience between Moses and the presence of God in this very uh, famous passage about the burning bush. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 starts off this way. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horah, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked, and the bush was blazing, and yet it was not consumed. By the way, in the Old Testament, when it says the angel of the Lord, what that means is not that God sent a separate entity like an angel that we tend to think about in the Hebrew tradition. The angel of the Lord is essentially the manifest presence of God. The angel of God, that is, the tangible, visible, discernible presence of God. So this wasn't a messenger. It wasn't that kind of angel. This was God himself. Moving on to verse 3. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. There it is. Curiosity. There's a bush that's burning over here somewhere in the distance. And Moses doesn't ignore it. Moses doesn't just sort of move on and go about his business. Moses says, wait, there's something different about this burning bush. I need to go and see what it is. And, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, if I saw a bush on fire but not burning, I would go look at it too. But every day we are confronted and faced with wonders that we have learned to ignore. Uh, There's an old English writer, G.K. Chesterton, He talks a lot about the importance of fairy tales and fairy stories to our development spiritually. And one of the things he says is not an exact quote. I don't remember the exact way he puts it. 
But he says, essentially, the importance of fairy stories, uh, stories that tell us, for example, that uh, the color of the grass on a faraway planet is purple. The purpose of that is not to make us believe that there are planets where there's purple grass. The purpose of that is to help us recapture the wonder, the amazement of the first time we, we discovered that grass was green. The world is full of wonders, full of miracles, and we very quickly in our lives lose the ability to see those things. The incredible reality that grass is green, that trees grow up out of the ground, that water flows over the rocks and when it gets cold enough turns to ice. The world is full of miracles and wonders all the time. The question is, do we, like Moses, have the curiosity, the hunger, the desire to turn and to see what it is that's so amazing about this particular sight. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And so God notices Moses's willingness to turn and to see that there's something different about this bush and so, therefore, God calls out to him. So there's a bush that's burning. Moses' curiosity is peaked. He looks, he sees. As a result of looking and seeing, he hears the voice of God calling out to him. And God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. That place, that area became holy and sacred because Moses was experiencing the presence of God. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I think we tend to read this passage and get fixated like we often do with Scripture on the miracle that's happening here. The miracle, of course, is this bush that's on fire but isn't being destroyed. And that is an amazing image and I think an important image but I think it's easy for us to miss Moses' part in this encounter. Moses encounters the presence of God because he has the curiosity to look and to see and to decide to stop and step away from what he's doing and figure out what in the world is going on here. That's how curiosity works. It drives us to discover something new. Amelia's here. I'm going to pick on her a little bit. She didn't know I was going to do this, so say a prayer for her. Last summer, we had a group of youth come out from Connecticut and stay here all week long and serve all week long in different sort of programs in the community. And one of the things we did was we invited Amelia to come in and give a presentation to them because Amelia is a scientist and was a part of the crews that went out to study the Great Pacific Gyre, which is, as most of you know, a great big swirling patch of plastic garbage in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Amelia was a part of those expeditions where they went out and they scooped the plastic out of the ocean. These are micro pieces of plastic, and they studied them to discover what in the world was going on there. That is curiosity. We tend to think that these sorts of things like science and discovery are separate from faith, but they're not. 
And when Amelia stood in front of these kids, these teenagers from Connecticut, and told them all about the plastics that are in our ocean and the damage that's being done there and all the ways that they've discovered that that's happening, these kids, their eyes were huge because they were discovering the wonder of how easily humanity destroys our planet and also discovering the wonder of the hope for what we could possibly do about that. I think that kind of curiosity, the curiosity that drives new discoveries, whether it's faith in our hearts or the science in our world that helps us solve real human problems, all of that comes from that same place, that place where we are hungry to discover what is good and what is God in our world. I love in John chapter 3, when Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus explains the Holy Spirit is like a wind that chooses wherever it goes. You don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. The wind of the Spirit blows wherever it wants to. That is not, I think, an explanation. It's an invitation. We don't say the Holy Spirit goes wherever the Holy Spirit wants as a way of saying, well, whatever. God will do what God will do. We say it because we're inviting people to discover where the Holy Spirit is coming from and where the Holy Spirit is going. The Spirit of God is at work here. The question is, doing what? The Spirit of God is at work in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your heart. The question is, doing what? What's God doing? How can we discern so that we can participate? I'm also going to pick on Vanessa. She didn't know about this either. This week I was having a conversation with Vanessa on the phone. We're planning for the next homeless resource fair, which is happening the second Saturday of every month. So it's coming up January 11th. And she reached out to me this week, and we had a quick meeting about the next thing. And she said something to me that really um, excited me. She said, I'm talking to all these people in the community and all of these little pieces are coming together. And she said, this is ex exactly what she said. I don't know, Jason. I just feel like God is doing something. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever looked at the landscape of your life and all the circumstances that were happening and you began to like pick out like a little pattern and something inside of you leaped and said, I think God might be doing something here. It's not something you can control, right? It's not something you can totally predict. It's not something that you can change. It's something that the Spirit of God is doing. Our job is just to recognize it and then partner with it. And that all starts with a desire, a curiosity to notice what in the world is happening there. These sorts of things happen in our world and they happen inside of us. Curiosity is not only what drove Moses to look and see what was up with the burning bush. Curiosity is also what drove Abram in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. I mentioned this last week. Abram steps outside of his tent one night. God prompts him to look up at the stars. He looks up at the stars and says, God, what are you showing me? And God says, this is what your descendants will be like like the stars of the heavens, even though you don't have any children yet. That is curiosity. That is a sense of wonder. 
to look up at the sky and to allow your imagination to receive what God has to say to you and then to act on it. It's also the same thing that causes the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, to say, all of creation testifies of the reality of God. Because we ought to be able to look outside of ourselves at the world, and that sense of curiosity and that sense of wonder drives us, us to say, I don't know, maybe God is doing something. But that also happens inside of us. Perhaps you've noticed that there is a whole world inside of you. A world that's full of your desires, a world that's full of your frustrations, your disappointments, your lust, your greed, your bitterness, your hurt, your anguish, your hopefulness, all of it. And within the midst of all of that, that constellation, that sort of chaos of feeling, God is at work there too. I love how Teresa of Avila puts this in her book, The Interior Castle. Teresa of Avila is is an ancient mystic who writes The Interior Castle to describe what it's like to discover God at work inside of us. She writes this, For though we know quite well that God is present in all that we do, our nature is such that it makes us lose sight of the fact But when this favor is granted, it can no longer do so, for the Lord, who is near at hand, awakens it. And even as the favor aforementioned occur more commonly, as the soul experiences a vivid and almost constant love for him whom it sees or knows to be at its side. In other words, Teresa of Avila is saying, God awakens within our very soul a sense of that God is moving inside of us in ways that we don't anticipate, in ways that we can't predict, in ways that we wouldn't have even hoped or prayed for. And yet, when we look inside of us and invite God to move, there is God. Making sense out of the chaos. Changing us. One more quote. Mary Carolyn Richards was uh, an American poet in the middle part of the 20th century and in the late 60s, she wrote a book called Centering. In the Christian tradition, we often talk about centering prayer as a way of focusing that interior castle on God's presence in our lives. Well, she wrote about centering from the perspective of a, a, somebody who throws pots. If you've ever done that, if you've ever played with like throwing pots or seen somebody throw pots, you know, of course, they take a lump of clay and they stick it on that disc and that disc usually is, you know, connected to a motor, either it's powered by your foot or it's powered by electricity and it spins, right? She discovered as somebody who's, who throws pots that that spinning was a lot like the spinning of chaos in our world that the spinning that happens all around us can take that lump of clay and it can throw it out of shape. That the force that pulls on that lump of clay can completely contort it or destroy what you're trying to do if that clay is not centered on the disc. But if it's centered then all that force actually contributes to your ability to make that pot, to form that pot the way you want to. 
She thought that was a really great illustration of the world that we live in, that the forces around us that are constantly pulling us out of shape can actually be used to center us in a way that can impact our development and growth. And she says this, centering is the discipline of bringing in through sympathy or empathy rather than leaving out of saying yes, yes to what we behold, to what is holy and what is unbearable. Curiosity, I think, the desire to know, the desire to discover, the desire to experience, I think, is essentially an act of empathy towards God. A deep desire to be identified with God. And to be open to bringing that in, however unbearable it might seem. And to allow that God, that presence, to center you and to reorder your life from the inside out. It begins with that sense of curiosity. Who is this God that might orchestrate all these things that seem incomprehensible, that seem chaotic, that seem completely intolerable to me at times? Who is the God that might be able to orchestrate all of those things for my own good, for your own good, for your own relief? And I think that takes a lot of courage. I think it takes a lot of courage to be a person who is open to bearing the weight of the divine presence of God in a way that changes you and changes your world. In fact, I think it, it turns us into that image that we see in Exodus chapter 3. I think to have the presence of God on you and in you and coming out of you is like being a burning bush on fire but not destroyed, full of flame but not consumed. God does in Exodus chapter 3 what God often does He reveals himself with an image that shows us what we are really meant to be. We're that burning bush. If we learn to be open and curious and exploratory and connect with a sense that God is here right now and with you wherever you go, at home, at work, at school, are you open to being set on fire by God's presence in a way that changes you radically. That's what we do when we come here. We come here to practice that. We come here to practice being open to a sense that God is changing us and lighting us on fire so that we can be useful in some way for God's purposes. It's what we do when we sing. We sing words like hallelujah to praise God to connect us closer to a sense of God's presence. We read passages like this out loud to connect us closer to a sense of God's presence. We take communion 
to connect us to a sense of who God is and what God did so that we could become that way. We greet each other, encourage each other, so that we can be transformed into that sort of burning bush. As we pray together today, would you just join me and pray for God to do that work in our midst? Father, we come before you this morning grateful for how you are transforming us. We ask, Lord, that as we set out over the next few weeks to study what it means to be in your presence and to recognize how you are working in our midst, I pray that you would give us the courage to be open-hearted, that you would give us the courage to be curious, that you would give us the courage to step out and experience what you're doing in new ways. Encourage us to participate in the new possibilities that you're bringing about in our world and in our lives. How is it that you're inviting us to join with what you're doing? How is it that you're reordering our desires healing our wounds and drawing us not just closer to you but closer to each other we ask that as we uh, worship together here each and every sunday that you would shape us into the kind of people that you've created us to be in jesus name amen